0: Right. hello everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as always I'm joined by...
1: Joshua Mervell. and today we're going to be taking a look at Spidey Comics from June of
0: 1986. Alright, and we're switching it up this week. Unfortunately, G.I. Julie and Bex Luther could not be with us. But we have a very special guest, regular uh, guest from uh, Flea Market Fantasy and LCS Hockey, Kevin Jank.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm here as part of the, uh, part of some kind of underground cabal that has conspired to keep Miles Watson as the number one guest on Flea Market Fantasy. So <laughs> they're like, "Hey, put Kevin on this show. That'll keep him busy for a while."
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry. You'll get up to seven soon. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, so, yeah, so we uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Now, just so the listeners know, obviously, Josh and I are located in Windsor, Ontario, but tell us where you're located. I'm in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. That is awesome. I'm a yeah. big, big fan of Chicago. I've been there many yeah. times. Ladies, I love... What's that?
2: And our ladies, apparently.
0: Oh, some of them. Oh, boy. Yes, um but yeah i also love besides the ladies there i love the architecture it's great
3: yeah
2: it's pretty nice when you're not getting shot or stabbed <laughs> which yeah
0: is i mean there's, there's that but it's give and take right <laughs> yep uh, uh but yeah, I, yeah yeah exactly but yeah i'll tell you man you want to see some good architecture you come to windsor a building does not last longer than 20 years before it's torn down and replaced by a bank or you know, like a corner store, or whatever. Or it's just—it's kind of sad here, but whatever. We They're do replacing
2: it. them with Taco Bells. You got my interest, but That's the true. bank doesn't help me. That's true.
0: true. <laughs> uh, every every once in a while, we have
1: a a penis shaped bush. So yes.
2: <laughs> All right, now
0: I'm. So, in.
1: I mean, my you got that to look forward to.
0: And it's funny <laughs> because every time the the culprit re shapes the, the and this is a true story there's a there's a bush on the river like the detroit river and every time the person reshapes the bush into a penis it makes the news it's like we have like our own Banksy. Yeah, no i was one just knows gonna this say
1: person. he really is the banksy of windsor <laughs>
0: that's so <laughs> awesome low brown yeah. no, that's a real thing but bank.
1: yeah so
0: anyway rather, i think so i think
1: it even <laughs> made it onto like jimmy kimmel once Really? Yeah, like it. it like one of the, like the big talk shows, they were talking about how somebody kept like going to, to the Detroit River and and uh, making penis bushes. That's hilarious! <laughs> yeah.
0: International news. I love it uh we've also been called the asshole of canada so that's our second claim of fame but uh <laughs> i've never heard that one. i heard the taint penis the and an asshole yeah like, yeah <laughs> <two> in
2: <one. laughs> all okay. in one
0: place yep so let's talk one about Spike for a minute so obviously <laughs> kevin i think you're younger than i am right because i am oh geez yesterday's my birthday i'm 45 how old are you uh 38 Okay, okay, not too far off. So Yeah, not, not uh, that much. Yeah, no, are you a Spidey fan? Hell yes. Um,
2: growing up, Spider-Man was one of the big ones. Uh, the first ones I got into really were X-Men and Spider-Man, and then Hulk kind of came slowly right after. Um, but love Spidey. I know this always blows your mind, is I got into Spider-Man during the Clone Saga. <laughs> right,
0: around, right. So... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, it, it obviously boggles my mind. But then, I mean, there's people older than me that you know are like, I stopped reading Spider-Man at number two hundred. It was all crap after that. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I came in after that. You know, yeah. I, I I barely even read a Stanley uh, Spider-Man story, but I still love Spider-Man, right? So yeah. Well, it's you got to understand. Like,
2: thing. I can't. I I re- started getting into it because of the '90s cartoon show. So then Great when you start reading team, you know. what's going on in Spider-Man comics, you're just like, what the fuck? There's a clone and he's not the real guy? Like, this is crazy. Right. Like, I had no experience with comics really up to that point. So it's like, this is a, this is blowing my mind. Later on, you realize, yeah. oh, this is crap, but at the time. <laughs>
1: it, it, you know what? It's it's pretty interesting. A lot of the comics that we're reading right now in the 80s is actually what the show is based off of.
3: Yeah, And uh, oftentimes
1: it's the same writer's who wrote the comics are writing episodes for that nineties Spider-Man TV show.
2: That's
3: why I
1: started
2: like all instead of the green goblin. Probably. There you go. (laughs) Those people.
0: Yeah. I've always been attached to the hobgoblin and, you know, I, I mean, I like early venom You know, all that stuff. So that's totally my thing. You know, that's I mean, when I I was uh, I got into Spider-Man a little bit in like 82, 83, but then I got big into him like 87, 88, 89, right when Venom was introduced. So that's kind of my era. you know. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So in my opinion, this is peak era, but depending on who you talk to, maybe I'm just looking at these issues through, you know, rose-colored glasses, but we'll find out this (laughs) week how how this batch holds up. Uh, First, we're going to talk about Web of Spider-Man number 15. And uh, Josh, you're going to tell us what this one's about, right? Yeah.
1: So uh, we start off this issue with Spidey. He's kind of um, swinging through the city, tracking down the Black Fox as he's kind of recapping um, what happened last issue where um, he we find out that Spider-Man thinks that The black fox killed a person to steal this gem. uh, Or to steal money from the guy who gave him the job for the gym. And we know that the black fox didn't do it. And Spider-Man is about to find out. Um, As he's swinging through the city, we see a man on the roof who's kind of watching. uh, Watching out and see Spider-Man swinging by. And the guy he's talking to on the phone, he makes a deal with him. uh, Presumably his like business like evil henchman business partner um, he makes a, a a wager with him that uh, within the next 24 hours he's going to be able to take out Spider-Man um, and if he wins if he's able to do it it's it's like double or nothing he'll he'll get double the amount he was uh, supposed to for this job so uh, we catch up with Peter as he stops and catches the black fox he learns that um The black fox didn't actually do it. And just as he is kind of realizing that he's innocent, um, that's when this kind of bad guy that was in the shadows. named chance. He shows up Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of starts his confrontation with Spider-Man. We see a bit of his powers. He's he's just like a regular dude. It doesn't look like he has any special (laughs) abilities, but he does have like uh, like a green and gold. Uh, a, like a neck suit or like, not like a mech mm-hmm. suit, but just like a techie suit. So he's got like blasters uh, uh, coming out of his wrists. He's got this like cool helmet that attaches to a backpack. And the backpack has these like cameras built in so he can see like 360 degrees all the way around him. So mm-hmm. he's never surprised when Spider-Man sneaks up on him, which he tries to do. Um, so as Spider-Man is sneaking up on him, he turns around and and shoots him, so Spider-Man's caught off guard. Black Fox is able to get away. Um, and as this kind of confrontation is happening, some civilians who live in the apartment building show up, um, trying to shoo off these guys, who they assume are just like mm-hmm. ruffians on the roof. So when he walks out, the chance realizes, uh, or Chance uh, realizes that, um, oh, somebody's probably called nine one one. He starts hearing sirens, so. Uh, his odds of winning just went down. So he blows up a chimney that's like next to the civilian and Spider-Man goes in to save the guy as Chance flies away. Uh, Spidey goes back to his apartment and meets up with MJ and he tells her about the whole situation of um, him having to fix up his apartment after somebody burnt it like halfway down and the landlady is going to kick him out if he doesn't fix it <laughs> for some reason. Um, right. So he's worried about that um, as he then realizes finally it's time to sell that golden notebook um, that he's been carrying around with him for like a year now. <laughs> um, so we catch up with the Black Fox. He goes to um, what, like a new dealer to try to sell the diamond. Um uh, he, the, the guy realizes that he's the black Fox and he calls chance and tells him that he'll stall him as long as he can. That way chance can come down there and finish the job and kill, uh, the black Fox, um, spider man, uh, as he's swinging around also kind of happens <clears throat> to, uh, I think he happens to just run by, right? Or he, maybe he's still tracking black Fox. I can't remember. <laughs> how, he, how uh, he's got the, a buzz from a spider tracer right mm-hmm. right so yeah. uh, that uh, Spider-Man and Chance run into each other as they're on their way to the Black Fox they have like a confrontation in an abandoned kind of, like construction yard um, uh, Chance is defeated because Spider-Man destroys the backpack and the cameras uh, connecting to his helmet Um Black Fox throws the spider tracer away and is able to escape um, after getting rid of the diamond or presumably getting rid of the diamond. We catch up with Peter as he goes back to the like informant, like the jewel salesman. Uh, He sells the gold notebook. He only gets $3,000 for it. And then we have a little bit of an epilogue where we see uh, Peter has anonymously given the money to, um, aunt may and uh what's his name uh nathan thank you i've only read his name what (laughs) a hundred (laughs) times uh uh and then we catch up with um black fox as we see he uh he made a deal with like the embassy to give back the gem and in exchange for a reward, use that reward to go back to Europe. And we see that he's kind of still up to no good in uh, uh, conning people. And uh, the last thing we see is um, Peter thinks he's about to get evicted from his house. He walks in and his landlady gives him a note and they both walk into the apartment together and MJ has completely redone the apartment for uh, for Peter. And, um, yeah, that's where we, that's where we <laughs> end things off for this week.
0: So, yeah, well, I'll just say quickly, this was written by David Michelinie and drawn by Mike Harris and inked by Kyle Baker. And as usual, I think David Michelinie's script is not groundbreaking, but it's classic Spider-Man to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like this story. I like pretty much everything about it. And also I think. Because of Kyle Baker's inks, I think some of the art is incredible, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, Kevin Jank, I want to know what your impression is of this uh, issue.
2: Uh, I agree. It was very good. I always thought of Webb as kind of the wimpy little brother of the Spider-Man books. (laughs) But for now, at least, it it seems like it's holding its own. And I I really like this story. Um, Just kind of classic karma of a Spider-Man doing the right thing. And you know, mm-hmm. not looking out for his own interests, but then somebody ends up helping him out because he did good for somebody else. So that's a right. sweet ending. It's kind of hokey, but I, I like it. I appreciate what they're going for there. Uh, I do have one question for you guys, since you've read <laughs> up on this whole gold notebook saga, which they should really put out as a trade paperback. <laughs> I'm sure it would should sell. Should <laughs> <laughs> um, But why does he have to go to like a dirty, you know, criminal yeah. fence to sell this thing? Isn't it just gold that? You know, it used to be a notebook. Now it's gold because it the Beyonder turned sense. it into gold. Can you just go to any jewelry store and be like, Hey, well, here's this thing,
0: you know, I've, I always wondered that as a kid, but I think it's because honestly, considering how much a gold ring costs, again, I don't know how much it costs, but I think a, a a notebook that size, that was pure gold. Like he said, what did he say? It's like $60,000 or something
3: mm-hmm.
0: or what did he say? Tw- whatever he said. Yeah.
1: I was, I think uh, when when it first came into play, we did um we did the math and it was a lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, like well, I, he we, we found 30, the gold prices
1: from from 1986 or whatever it was. And then we like did the conversion rate and everything. And it was a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And you figure 30,000 in 1986 yeah. converted to now. That's a lot of money. So I think the problem is, is that if you went to a legit dealer, it, it would just raise too many red flags, you know? So I think that's why he's unfortunately got to go to this kind of underground guy. Pardon me. And just so you know, Kevin, this has been going on for about 10 or 9 or 10 months. Now, think (laughs) about that. Nine months times three. That's 27 issues they've been talking about this gold notebook. And to be honest, I completely forgot how it ended. But I do like, you know, like you said about the Peter Parker thing about how he uses it to pay for you know nathan's hospital bills and the whole karma thing because it's kind of like because of that he get, kind of gets rewarded by mj right with the apartment yeah end, so yeah i it's think very it's very cool so right yeah. right right and chance yeah.
2: he's never been like my favorite villain or anything like that but i thought this was a good introduction um he's kind of you know the mid-tier like he's not bottom of the barrel spider-man villains but <laughs> right. he's he's good He's good enough. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I
0: mean, he's got I he's this a unique, a good intro. you know, motivation. Yeah, I, I like yeah. the whole chance thing. Like he, his name is Chance, and it's all about betting against himself, which I think is kind of cool. So, were you going to see something, Josh? Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting. Uh, I don't I don't
1: recognize Chance. Like I don't remember him. Um, but I so this is my first issue reading about him, and he's pretty interesting for being like a C list, just like masked bad guy to stop Spider-Man in his next story. You know, it's it's not right. super deep. He's not um, he's not really connected to Peter. Just Spider-Man, um, like a lot of other villains uh, in in right. his gallery. But um, yeah, I thought I thought he was pretty interesting, and and his little gimmick is great. I love kind of um that we get to see a little bit of his personal life and see that he's like. He's he, he's a person like he has actually has a personality instead of just, you know, I want to kill Spider-Man. Right, <laughs>
3: like, right,
1: right. Like right. this whole like chance thing is like an addiction for him. Even when he's a person, he he leaves it up to a chance, like a, a coin, a literal coin toss if he's going right. to tip the uh uh the, you know, the bus boy or, or not the right. boy I Yeah. Dry cleaning. Dry cleaners, uh, if, yeah, if he's gonna tip him thirty thousand dollars or not, it's right? Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, like that. Great <laughs> like idea. It's, it's ridiculous.
2: thousand mm-hmm. dollars, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's just like yeah. He's like, I got a thousand last year, so I'm way ahead. But really, I mean, how many dry cleanings have you missed out on getting paid for in that year? <laughs> like, <laughs>
3: yeah. So way
2: behind. It's pretty cool to see that.
1: Like, this is like not just like a weird gimmick for a supervillain and they've kind of written it into the to his character as well. Um, right. it's, not, it's right. not crazy deep or anything, but it, it makes it that much more interesting and fun.
0: Right. 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 Um and I'll just have you know chance does come back in a David McElaney uh, his first issue with Todd McFarland. So he'll definitely yeah, be back. So that's kind of cool. Uh but yeah let's talk about the art briefly. Like we mentioned before we've we've experienced Mike Harris before he's been inconsistent but this issue, oh, my God, the inks by Kyle Baker, even if you want to, um, I don't know if you have page numbers, Jank, but if you want to jump to page digital page four, like when um, Chance is kind of like looking at his glove and it's just all in shadow, like starting there, it's like just a run of pages that are incredible. And to me, the best page or one of the best is digital page nine. When Chance is leaning over the edge of the building, looking down, yeah, and then uh, the oh, panel yeah.
1: on the left with Spider-Man, like, standing in front of, like, the fire that's coming up.
0: Uh, oh, then, is that the next? Oh, that's the next page. Oh, I like, am okay. talking about the page before. Yeah, the big, the big wide page, a uh, panel on the, the page before y when he's looking at down at the edge. Mm-hmm. No, the middle, like, uh, digital page nine. Uh, um when Chance is looking over the edge there Mm Spider-Man's not on that page yeah like and then the next page Spider-Man's on it but it's just like again Mike Harris's pencils on previous issues they look terrible so maybe the inks I think they were by Vince Coletta maybe this ruined it but like here even the anatomy looks better everything looks better but the shadow work is definitely Kyle Baker so I'll sure Kevin Jank if you're familiar I, I keep calling you by your full name <laughs> Joshua Murr um, but anyway um I don't know if you're familiar with Kyle Baker but he's mostly known these days like for his indie work like he did the pro and he did geez honestly I'm not an expert but I mean back in these days I just knew him as a as, as an inker I think his work is incredible what do you think I like it
2: in some respects and some I don't like this whole book to me was very inconsistent like if you okay. look at the page where uh, where uh black fox is talking to that fence guy like the faces on there look incredible like they're so detailed they look like real people but then mm-hmm. you know near the end of the book you see spider or peter parker and his landlord and you're just like oh this is disgusting looking
0: <laughs> uh, let me kind okay, of jump ahead here to the end uh you mean like the last page <laughs> yeah yeah well, it's not so good. I think- I think the thing is, is it's a it's it's a little bit like loose, you know, like it's mm-hmm. almost like, uh, yeah, it's a little bit loose, but I still think like, I don't know if you go back even to the page where Sp- Spider-Man's like ripping the circuitry off of um, Chance's back. Like, I don't know. Again, you could argue that's a little bit sloppy because like his leg is just pure black. So maybe Kyle Baker is rushing it a little bit, but I still think it shows he's really good at shadow work and just placing black. So. I don't know. I thought it was uh, mostly it was really good, but uh, he definitely is very uh, yeah. good at the
2: shadow work. I think I tend to like more cartoony stuff, and sure. less, uh heavy on the shadows. But that's right. just you know, personal taste. It, it is very, very good. He's very good at what he does.
0: Yeah, he's probably better suited to like Daredevil or Batman or something. But mm-hmm. anyway, but
1: anyway, yeah, I, it, it yeah, does ahead, seem a little strange. I, I re- really do like the the art style in this. It does at times feel a little bit too intense for kind of like the lighter story that this is right. Um, right. I guess it's not super light. Like it's still like it's still kind of like ground level. Um, yeah, I guess some guys with dead. The, yeah. So like I, I think that the tone was fine. It's not. um, It's not like in other issues where it's super dark and the the inking is very gritty, and like the right. there's a lot of like, you know, or 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 in like amazing. A lot of the times, the stories are really light, and right. the the art kind of reflects that. This I right. felt like it was like fine. I th- thought it went together okay, but at times you're totally right. The the art is just fantastic in this one.
0: Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like I you know I keep saying this is when I was growing up, so for me. David McIlainy on Amazing Spider-Man and also Iron Man at the same time. This is like the voice of Spider- of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. This is also the vo- like when he does Iron Man. When I think of Iron Man, I think of David McIlainy's Iron Man, right? So like this is the gold standard for me. So I definitely love this era. Yeah, you're right. You could look back at it and say that it's maybe not appropriate for Spider-Man, but I guess it's what I'm used to. So. Hmm anyway at least i didn't get in on the clone saga but anyway so uh <laughs> no, yeah, i kid i kid Shots but uh but anyway yeah. <laughs> so anyway so yeah i definitely recommend this one again like i tend to think of web of spider-man as the weak like the black sheep or the weak link but this was another solid issue so i definitely recommend this one uh kevin jank you recommend this issue
2: uh yeah i definitely do um this was good all the way around i i really don't have any nits to pick that are too uh too large here I think web definitely did become the worst one later on <laughs> when they just started having who the hell are these villains, but for yeah. now it's, it's,
0: it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, in fact, it's so good that next issue, they reboot it and it's not officially a new number one, but they actually put on the first, on the cover first issue of a new era because the first oh, 15 no. issues were so like inconsistent. So yeah, we have okay. that to look forward to. But anyway, Josh, you recommend this
1: one? I I definitely recommend this issue. And it's it's weird. I think that the reason why I like Web so much is that it is inconsistent so far and it's they're able to kind of just tell these one off stories with with Peter and they are really kind of like grounded or um, the writers just have like a certain story they want to tell Um, these kind of like yeah, one offs have been Great, and I've really yeah. enjoyed. It. So I'm I'm a little nervous for this uh, new era of web.
0: Direction. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Oh, yeah, God. who's <sighs> the uh, era? Uh, I think it's still David Micalini. Oh, okay, let's, so
3: not that new. Yeah,
0: <laughs> actually, more like slightly. Check. Used. Yeah, it's still David Micalini, but I'll have you know the, the pencils are by Mark Silvestri. Who, I'm not sure if you know him, but yeah, he's uh, Uncanny X-Men and later Cyber... Yep, a few issues, yep. He's really good, too. Ah. So, on that note, we're going to jump to Amazing Spider-Man 277. This is kind of a weird one. Uh, uh, But yeah, Kevin Jank, if you are up to it, would you like to tell the listeners, all two of them... What this issue is about.
2: <laughs> sure. I guess it's a good thing I got this one because this is the one of these comic books I actually own in the flesh. Um, oh, nice. I, yeah. For some reason, I bought this. You know, I think I bought this was uh, I remember having an issue of Marvel Age that I bought, like, you know, way after the fact. And this was like advertised in there heavily. So I'm like, I saw this cover again. I'm like, hey, there, I recognize that. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Never Great. read it. But.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Not, not until now.
2: Yep. Now I got my chance wow nice so this uh issue of amazing spider-man 277 uh is kind of a marvel two in one where you get two different yep. stories and it's kind of just cut down the middle it's not like oh one main story and then like there's a you know two page mini backup story at the end no it's two separate stories entirely um so it starts off with more of the regular kind of spider-man like continuing on with what's going on in amazing where uh, Peter Parker is kind of reeling over the fact that Flash Thompson is the Hobgoblin, or, you know, so he thinks. Um, He's like, oh, no, Flash can't be that. He can't be the Hobgoblin. He's my friend and stuff. But then Mary Jane shows up and says the same thing, and he's like, no, he's an idiot. I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So it's kind of weird. He just flip-flops real quick. Uh Um, They kind of, they start arguing about Flash a little bit, and, uh, but then he gets a mysterious phone call uh, from Daredevil, and uh, my interest was piqued here when this happened. Uh, Daredevil's kind of you know whispery, and he's he doesn't want to talk on the phone. He's like, "Hey, come down to this you know uh, convent, basically or a homeless shelter type thing," and it basically find out that this is right at the same time as the Daredevil Born Again story. Right,
3: is
2: when he's kind of recuperating there, and his you know Sister Margaret is taking care of him and stuff. So uh, Peter Parker goes to see him there. (laughs) And it's kind of funny because he's like, oh, this must be his under, you know, his secret base. Usually he he pretends to be a lawyer. Now he must be pretending to work out of this, you know, homeless shelter here. But no, (laughs) he's not acting. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) This is not some secret uh, Daredevil, you know, concoction. Uh, He's actually just living there. Um, So he looks terrible when he sees Daredevil. And uh, he kind of starts talking to him about what's going on in his life. Daredevil kind of recaps all the events of Born Again. And he kind of drops like, hey, the Kingpin might know who you are too. So you better watch out and, you know, don't get involved with the Kingpin. Just let me handle it. Because that's working out real well.
3: (laughs) Right, right, right.
2: I did appreciate that this tied into Born Again. That was one of the, as great as I, as much as I love Born Again, like it was always weird that he didn't reach out to Spider-Man or something like that. So it is nice to see this part of the story and be like, okay, he did, and Peter just kind of didn't really help that much. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I Um, I,
0: I just want to quickly point out there's also the FF and the Avengers and the X Men. Yeah, they're they're also all in New York, but they never explain that, but whatever.
2: Yeah, they can't like take down the Kingpin because they don't have any evidence on it, but you could they could give you a place to live. Right. (laughs) Good point. Good
3: point.
0: (laughs) Yep.
2: So that's a little strange. Uh, but Spider-Man, he's like, "Oh man, Daredevil looks bad. I gotta do something." So he swings off to go see the Kingpin. He's gonna he's gonna go have some words with him, um, and try to. I, I guess he also probably wants to figure out whether the Kingpin does know who he is or not. I'm sure that's partially on his mind is trying to get to the bottom of that. Uh, so he swings off, goes to the Kingpin's uh, you know high rise. He sneaks in, and this is a pretty good scene. Where he starts, you know, saying, hey, I, I've heard about what you're doing to Daredevil. This ain't cool. Um, which, I mean, just confirms exactly if the Kingpin wasn't sure that Daredevil was Matt Murdock, he knows now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if he thought that tip was false, like, now he's he's sure. Um, <laughs> but it's cool because the Kingpin keeps trying to get his, like, weapons. He's, like, trying to grab his cane with the secret weapon inside.
3: Right, right.
2: And webs it up and he he's like i'll hit my intercom and get all these guys in here and spider-man blocks him so he keeps preventing the kingpin from getting any kind of help which is pretty cool and uh him and the kingpin get into it a little bit and kingpin's just like no like daredevil's always been obsessed with me i don't even care about him
3: Uh and (laughs) spider-man's
2: like i'm gonna get you and the kingpin (laughs) just starts going off on about like uh Oh, well, you're like my best ally, pretty much. Like, you know, you weed out the the weak criminals and the strong ones come work for me. So you're like pretty much on my payroll. And he's trying to make Spider-Man feel bad. And he's not totally buying it. Um, And Spider-Man's just like, ah, you're going to slip up one of these days and then we're going to get you. And uh, so he leaves. Kingpin sits down in his chair. And wouldn't you know it, he sits in a pile of webbing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: good to see that after he uh he stripped a man of his life, Spider-Man's playing pranks on him. <laughs> <laughs> he got him back. Point. <laughs> um but yeah, then the king is just like ah, eh, you will see. You'll probably make a mistake before I did. And then he, he calls in his people and he's like, Don't no one come in here for two hours.
0: <laughs> I love that. it's great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so good. He wants to wait till the webbing dissolves, so that's pretty good. I like that ending. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much the end of the first part of the story or the part of the story that the cover promises that has all the TMS and Rs. There's so many registered. The next part of the story is cry of the Wendigo. Uh, this was written and drawn, I believe, by Charles Vess.
0: Yeah, I think um, he did. He, did he have help with the dialogue? Let me check. Um... Does it say here? I'm looking, or is it? Find the. uh, Maybe it's the last page. How come I can't find it? You know, I read the original issue, and it's like I think they altered this, but um, no, yeah, he wrote it too. You're right. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, this involves a Wendigo, but not the Wendigo.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. right.
2: The one from Canada who eats people and know, is big and white and furry. Uh, not that Wendigo. Totally different Wendigo. Um, but there is a, a blizzard is basically hit New York city. Um, Peter Parker has a dream where he's out in the blizzard and, and then he wakes up and the windows open. So he's like, Oh, I guess I better close this window. And then he, he's, he gets in his Spider-Man costume and starts swinging out in the cold. And he's like, well, it's a good thing. I gave up being Spider-Man as he's being Ugh. Spider-Man. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. It makes yeah. no sense. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um uh, but he sees a, a, a family like i think they're I think like canadian diplomats is that what's going on here
0: uh let's see they're like oh i think
2: we brought the weather down with us or something like that
1: weather from home. oh yeah maybe they are i didn't realize I that. that yeah <laughs> totally
2: didn't yeah you should know these people they're they're your rulers
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: uh but so they they're kind of getting their kid in the car and a bunch of hoodlums show up and they kidnap the little girl and they're like hey we're gonna make your dad pay so you know you just be good and then you won't die that type of thing they throw her in a van and spider-man follows them and he they could end up crashing into a snow bank basically and the little girl gets out of the car she's pretty much fine so spider-man tries to help her um they kind of get away a little bit and the guys start coming after them. Uh, Spider-Man beats most of them pretty easily. Then there's one guy left who's got a gun. Spider-Man webs up the gun um, and turns to walk away. Basically like, Oh, I guess job done here. But it turns out the guy has yet another gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who would have thought? Plot twist. <laughs> um, and he starts pointing at Spider-Man. He's like, Oh, I'm going to get him. But I, Yes, some green arm of this Wendigo creature, which the little girl had been talking about, was like some, you know, I don't know, spirit of the cold or something like that. Reaches out and I'm not sure what it does to him. He just screams. We're just like, right. oh, it got him. <laughs> I guess that's the ending there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, when, uh, when it comes to him, I don't know. Spider-Man gets the little girl back to her parents. And then he basically goes back home and goes right back to sleep
3: again.
0: <laughs> and then we see the Wendigo walking away, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The Wendigo. So, yeah, like we said, this is not the Wendigo from, like, the Hulk and all that. This not is, like, at all. The, this is the official, like, mythological Wendigo. So this is a mm-hmm. different one. Uh, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Charles Vest, but I think he's mostly known for, like, I think he did some work on Sandman and he's got his own creator own stuff. This is actually the second time we've come across him with Spider-Man, but I'm not, are you familiar with Charles Vess's work, Jank? Uh,
2: not at all, which is why I was curious on the cover. It's like featuring Charles, West, or Charles Vest's Cry of the Wendigo. It's like, why are they putting such a fine point on it when I've never heard of this guy?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the time, I don't know if anyone, maybe I'm totally wrong. I'm not sure how well known he was, but I, maybe it's just because his art was so different. You know, they were trying to drive mm-hmm. home, like, you know, call attention to it, but because I don't know how big he was then. I know he was bigger in like the '90s, but maybe I'm totally wrong on that. But um, yeah, it's different. Yeah, definitely. And we'll also quickly mention. Uh, so the, the the main story is by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, the regular team. Now it's funny because the inks are by Bob Layton, but in this, and I read the original issue, but this and so did you, Jank. But this digital mm-hmm. copy, they actually delete Bob Layton's credit, and I cannot figure out why. Huh. They, like they erased it from that. Uh, splash page, which is weird, but really? Uh, yeah, really weird. I don't know why they do that. And then, um, and so yeah, obviously this issue is split in half with two different stories. So the fr- I'll just say the first one, I really, I mean, obviously, I think what probably happened is they had this, they had this Charles Vest story. They didn't know what to do with it, so they thought, okay, we'll stick it in here, but we got to fill up the rest of the pages. So what can we do, right? So they had this little mini story with Daredevil. I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of Spider-Man or Peter Parker being called and going to talk to him just because it seemed unnecessary. However, Mm -hmm. I did think it was really cool, the scene with Kingpin. The conversation they have is Mm -hmm. great. I love it. When Kingpin's like, uh, he's like, uh, do you realize that every time you save the city from a super menace, you're actually helping me by allowing the normal business of crime to continue? You're aiding the flow of money into my pockets. I just love this whole scene where he's trying to psych him out. Mm-hmm. And and uh, then the fact that Peter or Spider Man, you know, webs his chair is kind of a little bit of Spider Man humor. Yeah. So that that was cool. Like it ends up being like a really good little short story. The the Cry of the Wendigo, it's nice because it's completely, almost completely self contained, and so it's kind of like the kind of story I like to see more of. But it's like you pointed out those coupled panels where Spider Man's like, you know, well, it's too bad I gave up being Spider Man. because you know it's like the only reason they do that is because there's this running thread how spider-man's going to give up his career but it it never really goes anywhere maybe it does in a couple Mm -hmm. issues and they resolve it but if you if you look at this art which is incredible we'll talk about that in a minute if you would have just deleted those bubbles those maybe those two panels this could have been completely uh it could have stood on its own but they gotta Mm -hmm. have the reference to the subplots they gotta have a little note at the bottom see last issue o's Right, and I, I think that really it kind of it's like it, it's a blot right on the story, but otherwise yeah. I mean, it's a little bit it's a little bit uh, there's nothing wrong with the story it's not great but I think it's it's a cool something cool we don't usually see in Spider Man so for that reason I really liked it.
2: You know what else uh, is odd is uh, these are the June books <laughs> and they're featuring a story about a snowstorm.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, which makes me <laughs> yeah think just had it right,
2: but uh, everything about it feels
1: out of place. I mean. It's a good story. It just does like, it doesn't even feel like it's supposed to be part of this era or not this era of Spider-Man, but like. um, Because of the whole giving up being Spider-Man, it's like, this is not happening right now.
0: Right, (laughs) right. Right. Like, he's
1: not taught. I I remember, uh, I think, like a little while ago, right? Like a couple of months ago, he was talking about giving it up when he when MJ came back into his life, right? And right. the two of them started kind of getting back together and he's talking about how he's going to put this all behind him. Like that was two or three months ago. So it's like it feels like it's it it was made and then they didn't have a spot for it. There, so they just kind of held on to it until they right. did. And then finally and, and the,
0: released. It, so and the, the funny thing is at this point Marvel Fanfare was going and Marvel Fanfare is usually the place where they kind of you know get rid of these filler stories just to fill in like the back like five or ten pages if they needed to fill space but maybe this month like i said they just didn't have a full story so they 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 threw this in and then you know the regular ink here was busy so they got bob layton and they just filled the rest of the pages with this kingpin story so but um but yeah so overall josh but did you enjoy this one
1: yeah uh, both both parts of it um like you said the the stuff with um, Matt was a little bit slow and I was kind of nervous that um, they were going to introduce him into the hobgoblin storyline. Oh. And I was just like, I was like, oh, no, I'm like, there's already so many moving pieces. Like right, That's the last right, thing right. we need now is like more Matt Murdock like junk going on. Um, right <laughs> but then but then it kind of sidetracked and we we got this like really great kind of uh, confrontation with, with Kingpin and um, like you guys both said before like Spider-Man kind of always being one step ahead of the Kingpin to kind of show him like listen I know that you normally control everything but I can hold my own against you and yeah. like stopping him before he gets to the bookcase and webbing up his cane and you know, like ev everything about that uh, back and forth was great. The dialogue was super fun. I had a lot of uh, a lot of fun with that one. And then the Cry of the Windigo, it really felt like a new thing for Spider-Man. Like it didn't feel like any other Spidey story. Um, right, right. It was kind. It, it kind of felt almost like Doctor Strangey with this like mm. element of of like a mystical being that's there, but not really there. Um, Him kind of just popping up into the snowstorm and then uh, like really just dipping away once, once he saves the day. Like it just, I I enjoyed it. And I, I'm happy that it was kind of this like one shot mini story and we can kind of get something new, but um, it was definitely um, new territory. I think for this era of, of Spidey.
0: Right. Yeah. I should also point out there is a Charles Vest Spider-Man graphic novel coming up that we're going to be reviewing soon. But um, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of this art. Uh, Kevin Jank, what did you think of the Charles Vest's art?
2: I liked some of it. I did not like his version of Peter Parker. <laughs> looked okay. Kind of weird and fuzzy to me, but um, <laughs> his Spider-Man was not bad. And like the little girl and the bad guys look pretty cool. But yeah, if it wasn't for his weird looking kind of, I don't know, old, older man, Peter Parker, I think I would have liked it more.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess you could say he's kind of a a, a, a vert like he's a I don't want say typical, but he's a vertigo artist. And that's not a bad thing, but they certainly I mean, there's a certain way to draw Marvel comics and, and people tend to look sort of the same. And I agree that his Peter Parker doesn't look like the Peter Parker we know. But if you just look at the rest of this art, like some of it is incredible. You know, he's like a mm. classic fine artist almost like like on digital page 22, like the shot of him standing in the snow over the bad guy. And then that big close up of the tree in the foreground, you know, like that's yeah. not the kind of thing. Oh, that's incredible.
1: When eh? when, when <laughs> Spider-Man gets like hit over the back of the head, too, and it he's his he's kind of like cast in this red light and um, it's right after like his spider sense is going off and he's getting hit and like the whack is like Mm -hmm. inside of the spider both like the spider sense and sense and the impact of the hit
3: right it's
1: so great and, and so fun just this like tiny little panel squished in between uh what's happening in the story there's a lot of like really fun stuff in this wendigo story um mm-hmm. which i found actually <laughs> the other story uh it had some really great stuff but then all of a sudden um there were just like panels that looked super off
0: and the first story
2: yeah. oh yeah there were times it was great that? but yeah, yeah like sometimes like there, it was a
1: little iffy there's pages where like there's close-up of Close ups of Kingpin's face, uh-huh. and it cuts back to Spider Man, and it's like this really intense moment, and then all of a sudden, Spider Man just looks like, uh, <laughs> he looks like Spooderman.
0: Oh, <laughs> Spooderman. Uh, Is that the Japanese one, or no?
1: <laughs> no, it's it's like the it's like the like a meme version of, of Spider Man. It's just like crudely drawn.
0: Oh yeah, okay, I see. Yeah, I'm looking it up. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. Uh, I know. I'll
1: Drop page. it in the. It's digital drop page.
0: Uh, what is that? I can Eleven. When he's, in his neck here. is kind of like bent over. Yeah, it's so strange. Now I have to figure I just out. chat. Okay, hold on a second here. Bro. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I,
1: I made job. a little edit. I made a little edit there to show you. <laughs> it looks. <horrible>. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <I think> it's <laughs> like it's <laughs> so. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, it's yeah so I I really did enjoy the art for both of them um but for some reason that first story had like some really weird moments where it might have just been rushed you know what I mean like some panels are just quickly done to move on to, to others or deadlines are coming up but um that Wendigo one was super fun and uh uh, I also really like how the the Windigo itself was drawn, where it's not really—it's kind of almost like an abstract creature.
2: Right. I'm we
1: never really see. see it in like yeah, full. Don't see form. it much
2: except for the title yeah. page.
1: Yeah, and even that—it's like, like mixed in with the storm, and he's like the Windigo is like screaming, and the mouth is like open and like, like, like stretched out into the the snow that's being blown. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, there's some some fun stuff in there.
0: Yeah, like the thing, the way I see it is Tom DeFalco and um, what's his name? Braun Friends, they they know how to draw comics the Marvel way. And I love them for that. But they certainly don't have any aspirations to be like to make it great (laughs) art. They're just like, I'm not to say they're churning it out, but I don't think they really care if one panel looks bad or one scene is bad. They're kind of just like, hey, it's only comic books. We're on a
2: monthly schedule.
0: Yeah, right. Whereas Charles Vest is clearly more of like a fine artist. And he again, he he might have taken six months to draw this story. We have no idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's two completely different things. And yeah, I like them both for two, you know, for different reasons. Mm. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want every Spider-Man story to be like the Wendigo one, but I definitely did like it. So yeah, it was a nice he, change of pace. Yeah. The, yeah. The
1: art. This is what I was talking about earlier, where the art and the story really led itself to each other. Like they're right. They're they go hand in hand. Um, I don't know if I would have liked the Wendigo story as much if it wasn't done in this style. Like if it was done like it was the first friends. issue. Yeah. Like it's right, it's right. not that it would be bad art. It's just that I don't know. There's something charming about this like more artist like style. Like right. it's it's it, like you were saying like a more of a fine art. Right. Um, it, yeah, it, it I think it really elevates this kind of simple story of Spider-Man saving a family in the middle of a snowstorm.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead, Cenk.
2: I, I could see why they gave him a graphic novel of Spider-Man to do. Mm-hmm. Like, this is definitely an interesting take on the character. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And And obviously he, you know, since he also wrote the story, he's probably interested in. You know, mysticism and fairy tales and all that. Whereas the first story is clearly a straight ahead superhero story, right? Mm-hmm. So Ron Frenz's art fits that better for sure.
2: You know, what is weird is um, we've technically read four stories this week. This was that era where they couldn't decide, you know, if Spider Man was wearing the red and blues or the blacks. Right. But you'd think of anything, if any of these stories he should have been wearing the black was the one where he confronts the kingpin. Like, if you're trying yeah. to be more intimidating, right. that's where you want to wear the black costume.
0: Good point. Good point. That's the one right. he's wearing the red and blue. Yeah, there was definitely no rhyme or reason. It's not like he had, like, a stealth costume and, like, a fun costume or a day and a night. He just put – basically, one of them gets dirty or smelly or covered in soot, and then he <laughs> has to wear the other one. That's pretty much why he changes them, you know?
2: That's the only reason I wear different clothes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so I definitely recommend this one. It's a bit of a weird issue, but I mean, the the first story is better than average, amazing Spider-Man, and the second story is definitely something different. So I recommend this issue. Jane, uh, what about you? 100%.
2: Yep. These were two good stories. Um, I don't know that there was much to tie them together. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of narrative thread there, but... <laughs> Good stories on their own, um, well, well drawn. Um I, like I said, I really liked. Since I love Born Again, it was nice to see that Spider Man did kind of tie into that, even if it wasn't in a very helpful way.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you recommend this one?
2: Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I, again, I'll echo what you both said. Um, the Wendigo one is a super fun standalone story. Um, the art is fantastic, and then the the first uh, the first story we get. This week um, is really great. The stuff with the Kingpin is super fun. You don't need to know anything about Kingpin or Daredevil or even the stuff that's going on with Hobgoblin to read this and enjoy it. Right. It really does kind of stand on its own. And you can get the, the gist of who every single one of these characters that was in that story, who they are. So it's right. um, yeah, I definitely recommend for both of them.
0: Okay, so now we're going to jump to the final book this week. Peter Parker of the Spectacular Spider-Man 115. This is a guest appearance by Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange. And, uh, okay, so just so everyone knows, um, we've noted lately that the artist Mark Beacom, uh, who draws (laughs) Peter Parker... Is notorious for draw- for drawing women in sexually suggestive positions and situations. Now, we'll to that this, this week. opening <laughs> well, this opening <laughs> scene is gotta be the most ridiculous because the narration says uh, this is Brenda Berman. She hates being alone, uh, but she's used to it. She got used to it in high school when terminal acne and a dumpy figure made her an outcast. Well, well judging by the way she's drawn i just don't see it uh she's drawn very you know like i mean she has loose clothes on but her body looks perfect her face looks perfect just like every other woman drawn by mark beacom so that's a little bit odd but i will just talk about the plot and we'll talk about the art later okay so basically we have a woman walking in the street there's a tough guy following her she's about to get uh raped and mugged and or raped by a gang dressed up as uh, Captain America, the Hulk, Spider-Man, and, and I don't know who that's. Is he dressing up as Hank Pym? I don't know who the other guy's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be. I but, know um, you know, nobody. I'd so actually be Rick Jones. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> no one wants to be Rick Jones for Halloween, right? But anyway, um, so then Spider-Man comes in, saves the day. Then we cut over to a scene with, uh oh, they they mentioned Chance, but this is someone talking to... The Foreign, oh no, is this chance? No, this is oh, the foreigner. This yeah. is the foreigner, right? I got confused foreigner. because it's a little bit of one of
3: my favorite Yeah. Plans.
0: Yeah, it there you go.
3: A
2: mustache.
0: <laughs> What's that? He
3: <laughs> doesn't
2: have that cool pencil thin mustache, though. That's oh, how you're right, right. apart.
0: So the, So then, uh, yeah, so this is the foreigner who's going to become a bigger character later, but we kind of just get a little, a cool scene with him where he tells this guy, he's like, um, pardon me, he's like, uh, Oh, he's like, uh, uh, for your fee, I offer a challenge. Two identical boxes. And we see these little, like, like almost like, whatever, like tiny boxes on the, on the table. One contains half a million quid. The other has a very touchy snake. Open one. W- what if I'm wrong? You'll die. So that's a kind of a, a little, you know, a, a nice little scene to introduce this character. And uh, just like Chance, <laughs> he has a little gimmick, and this guy has his gimmick. Of course, oh. they're the same gimmick, but... That's okay. <laughs> so anyway,
2: both of the boxes had the money in it anyway, so I should have just gone yeah. for
3: it.
0: Yeah. So then we cut over to a scene uh, straight out of, you know, an Olivia Newton-John movie where uh, a cat is dressed up in her workout gear. And there's like a, mo- it's like, it's not really panels. It's like, a what do you call this? A montage, not a montage. A collage. What is it? collage. Like a collage of her like working out like one, two, three, four, five, six shots of her working out in different positions. It basically just an excuse for Mark Beacom Beek- to draw like a, a beautiful woman, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, like, it really uh, is fun. just Good to remind us
1: that Felicia is a beautiful woman and uh, <laughs> nothing really else happens.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really advance <laughs> the story. I actually posted this on Facebook, uh, like not this, but previous uh, examples of this, and most people agreed with me that it was ridiculous. But there's always that one guy that's like, anyone that thinks this is outrageous is secretly uh, contributing to the oppression of women, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. Anyway, okay, so I blocked him. But anyway, okay, so back to this. (laughs) I find it so very.
2: surprising that you were in a Facebook,
0: Facebook argument. Yeah. That's, well, so I, I'm, like, I also,
2: I'm, I'm shocked because I thought they banned you. <laughs>
0: oh, I mean, like today I was almost banned again for seven oh. days because I posted a, a, a meme with Hitler in it, but it was an anti-Hitler meme, and so I had to dispute it, and apparently they got their guys on it, and now I'm not banned. So, anyway, it was going to be a weird start of to but what's that? You'll find a new reason to get banned tomorrow. It's okay. Yeah.
3: I'm sure try I'll call
0: someone else white trash on Facebook, but anyway. <laughs> so then we cut over to Peter Parker, who's uh, getting the gears from um Kate Cushing, or no, jo- which one's her boss? Is it Kate Cushing? Yeah, and Joy yeah. Mercado is the other photographer. and she's uh, chewing him out, comparing them to Lance Bennett, Bannon, which he doesn't appreciate. Meanwhile, Peter Parker catches these two th- this couple in the um like the storage closet. I don't think I've ever seen these characters before. Ralph Mackey and Anne McIntosh. I don't think I've ever seen them in any of the Spider-Man comics, but he catches them like about to have uh, sex. In, like, a- yeah.
1: Uh, and then it last six years worth of comics.
0: Right. 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 <laughs> They've Been in that closet a long time. <laughs> right. Yeah. The golden- but anyway, and then we cut over to the running subplot of Robbie Robertson or Joe Robertson's son uh, coming home. He's at the airport. And this is the scene where Joe Robertson meets his new wife who, shocker, happens to be white. And, uh, you know, back in the 1980s, this was a bigger deal than it is now. But um, So it's kind of like a guest who's coming to dinner type thing, and I'm sure that'll play out in future issues. Then we cut over to Spider-Man. Okay, now this is a weird scene because uh, we get another... Again, this is a weird... I will admit, this is a weird issue. This is another running subplot where there is a kid at a school who is being physically abused by his father. One of the teachers... uh tried to press charges, but because of that, the father countered by accusing the teacher of being a child molester, blah, 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 blah. However, in this scene... Oh, and by the way, the kid also... Oh, sorry, the father has also invented some kind of disintegrator device or something. And in this awkwardly staged scene, Spider-Man is swinging around the city, and he happens to come upon Joy Mercado, who's, I guess, reporting the story he kind of like looks in the window just as the the scene is happening where the teacher has been knocked over by the father they're arguing and spider-man comes in through the window doesn't say i think he has no he doesn't say anything this is a really badly written scene he doesn't say anything like this is again you know we talked about like the art not matching the writing the art in this issue does not match the writing at all like if you notice spider-man scares everybody. And then for the next three panels, he's just there. He doesn't say anything. It is so awkwardly <laughs> executed. But anyway, yeah. So then we cut. Yeah, it's weird, eh? So then we cut. They to barely
2: acknowledge like, his presence. Uh, yeah,
0: he right. just he
1: like it's jumps through. he's got this like scary like right. pose, and then all of a sudden he's just like on the ceiling upside down, and they're they continue the conversation with. Yeah,
0: him. yeah you're right. It's like, just so badly done. Like,
1: oh hey, uh, Spider Man. Anyways.
0: Well, see, this is an example of, you know, we'll talk about this later, but Mark Beacom clearly knows he knows he's a good artist. He knows how to draw anatomy. But this is an example of where he doesn't really know how to tell a story. Like, it's like maybe Peter David could have made the scene make sense, but he didn't. And so it just it just seems really awkward. It's really hard to tell what's going on here because then all of a sudden we cut over. Now, all of a sudden, Peter Parker's on the roof and he's got his mask off and he's talking to himself. But there's really no connection with, with what just happened. Then we cut back to the kid and another awkward scene where he's talking to himself. And now Peter Parker is down on the ground and he's chasing after Joy Mercado and uh, Lance Bannon. And, and now then he's in the restaurant with um, this is the teacher, right? And they're talking about what he do and blah, blah, blah. Then it cuts back to him. Now he's back at the Daily Bugle. And I always remember the scene from when I was a kid where. He's um, flipping the coin. Now, this is another example. <laughs> this is
3: where
0: the so scene where he's flipping a coin and he's trying to get heads, but it comes up tails and they show the clock moving. And what's that supposed to be like two o'clock? And then it's like five o'clock. Is that right? Am I crazy? <laughs> Am i kind of clock properly. But anyway, he yeah, said he gets it, get it, it on straight, uh, tails in a row. And, and, and this is the other thing, Jank, is this has been a running subplot, but they don't really follow up with it. So Black Cat has bad luck powers and they're supposed to be rubbing off on Peter Parker, but like the mm-hmm. other writers forget about it. And so it's <laughs> never mentioned. And so it just, I completely, I'm like, why is this happening again? Oh, yeah. So it kind of comes out of I- left field. They do kind of bring that
2: up in the next page, though, where he's talking about stuff with the black fox and slide and all that stuff. Like, I think he was trying to they were trying to, you know, retcon some of the other stuff into his bad luck mm-hmm. streak. Right,
3: is. right. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's,
2: it's weird
1: because they could they could also just explain like it happens when she's around. So he's yes. having this bad luck all of a sudden. He'd be like, why am I? Why is, am I having like extra bad luck recently? That's weird. And then. You introduce Black Cat and be like, look at he's having this extra stuff because she started to like pop up back into his life and maybe she is kind of connected to what's going on. Um, But no. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) it's, it's, It's not well handled. I mean, it's partly Peter David's fault. It's also the part partly the fault of the the editor for not keeping it consistent across the three Spider-Man books, right? Like, if you were to yeah. be reading the other Spider-Man books, you wouldn't even know that this was going on. So, yeah. But only anyway,
2: got- kind of stuff like there's that whole time recently where, uh, like, Spider-Man was dating Mockingbird, which was stupid in the first place. But then, like, he was also dating some other girl in Spectacular. It's like, why are you doing this? And there was no yeah. mention of
0: oh, hey, I'm
2: mm-hmm. cheating on
3: Mockingbird, <laughs> right? So I guess they're taking place at that- different times.
0: Yeah, no, I I remember like there was a period where he was dating Deborah Whitman, mm-hmm. and then he met Kazar's girlfriend, slept with her, and, and then was upset because his third girlfriend was cheating on him. Like it was just a weird time. The mm-hmm. early '80s was a weird time, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so then we we yes. you know we're back to the gratuitous shot of uh, Black Cat's ass as she watches <laughs> Spider-Man. So Man many buds, swim. Billy yep. would be happy. Yeah, I see. It's too bad because also I didn't know that you I don't even know if you listen to this podcast, Ke- Kevin, do you? I've listened to some. Yeah, a couple of them. Because I didn't know you're familiar with the, the butt tally. The but butt yeah, tally. It's yeah. Too, yeah, it's too bad that Julie and Becca missed this one because there's a lot of asses in this issue. But, and some tape t- uh,
2: crotch shots.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure Black Cat this entire issue um, never says anybody like says anything to anybody face to face. She's always got her back turned to them and then looking over <laughs> her shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that, that way is... that way she can chill off her ass. So really <laughs> right. this is like the ass issue. And there yeah. are there are I mean, there are still the classic Spider Man asses in this one too. So I guess
2: yeah. I guess there's enough to go around. Equals. I like the one where uh, like it looked like his ass and his legs were going in a different direction than the front of him
0: yeah yeah he's
2: like right before he crashes through the window
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um so anyway um so i I actually love to be honest this issue is a weird but i do love this ending so peter parker goes to dr strange because he figures that something's going on and so he wants dr strange to figure out what it is with his luck just at that exact same time black cat goes and robs... I don't remember who, who she robs. I don't know the, the significance of this person. But just at the same time Doctor Strange is figuring out what's going on with Spider-Man, Black Cat is mouthing off to this big, tough guy with no... I mean, he's dressed like a freaking wrestler. He has like... <laughs> it's, they're not even like pants. They're like tights, like wrestling tights. Uh, What are they called? Armbands with spikes on them and then a mohawk, right? Yeah. Um, and just at the same time that... Uh, Dr. Strange is figuring out and curing Spider-Man of his bad luck powers. He, Dr. Strange points out, he's like, I'm kind of worried because this might affect the source of your bad luck. Just at that exact moment that she's about to get punched is when she loses her powers. And she's expecting this, um, this overhead fan to unscrew and fall on the guy's head. But then she loses her powers. So then she gets punched out. And Spider-Man is happy because he's been cured, but we cut mm-hmm. back over to Black Cat. And she looks like she's about to have uh, a form of intercourse that is usually only covered in a Hindu book of, you know, sexual posi- posi- <laughs> position. But, uh, but anyway, we get this really good shot of this wrestling guy standing over top of her. And that's pretty much it. That's the cliffhanger. So she's about to get her ass kicked. Spider-Man's happy. The end so yeah it's, yeah it's very
1: much akin to that like spider woman uh cover yeah famously know, awful like that. it's it's like the same exact pose it's uh, right,
3: right.
0: <laughs> it's bad right you're right so yeah this <laughs> was an that. awkward one i have, like like i had it as a kid i've read it many times i've almost got it memorized there's some things about it i really like but overall a very awkward issue not helped by again the art not quite matching the script um, there's a lot of unnecessary subplots like there's too much in one issue. like this is not really one story. It's like five subplots, right that they just touch on as they go.
3: So, yeah,
2: but ooh, that's kind of Peter ooh. David in a nutshell. like he's always yeah. playing the long game. He's not in it for just an issue here and an issue there. You well,
1: know here's the
3: I, thing hey, go, I, ahead. I, I go ahead I
1: agree with you he he does kind of always have that in his stories, especially with like really, Peter Parker, they they always have these like subplots that they refer to and then they get back to the regular story. This one, I couldn't tell you what the main story was. <laughs> the whole thing was like weird subplots that they kept like cutting back and forth to. Yeah, like, I I, see that I, I don't even know how to like describe this issue as like a story.
0: Well, here's the first. I just want to ask Kevin, are you a fan of Peter David?
2: Oh, hell yeah. He
1: he right.
2: Oh, writer. If not, he's right up there in the top three.
0: Oh, and back and jolie, we're not here this week <laughs> to hear that. Because Peter David is definitely one of my favorite writers. He's the first hell writer yeah. I followed by name. And he's probably the reason I like Spider-Man to this day. Like, like this this run on Peter Parker is why I love Spidey. And so far, I've got nothing but bullshit. From gym, from Becca, Julie, and Josh. And now two of them are on here. And I've got I've got my main man Kevin Jank here to back me up and then yeah. I'll up, but that's <laughs> so oh. me, Hopefully they'll listen to this. I'll yeah. find out later on. Well they will not read these <laughs> issues They won't read this episode, but whatever. Um, no, I will say one thing though. You're right, uh, Josh. This doesn't it's if it would have had like a main story. And then cut, like, if it should have been, like, this bad luck thing should have been introduced in, like, the first couple pages, but it's not really, right? Mm. There's nothing in the first couple pages that, that, you know, hints that that's what this is about. We get one page, you know, three scenes of that, sorry, three pages of that, one page of The Foreigner, then it's Black Cat, then it's, you know, Daily Bugle, then it's Joe Robertson. Like, I I understand, again, that's going to come later, but do we really need to juggle five subplots? Then we get the kid... (laughs) So that's, that's literally five subplots, right? So, yeah, it's also
1: weird, too, because if. If there's somebody that's going to be coming in later on, like, let's say, for example, the Joe Robertson, uh, the Robbie Robertson storyline, um, are they going to recap what happened at the airport? Or are they just going to jump in and like not explain it? You know what I mean? So it's like. Is it going Mm -hmm. to just be a repeat of this like little thing that they put into this issue for some strange reason, or are they just going to not mention it at all? And then, uh, readers are just gonna have to get caught up. Like, why not just tell that story as a whole? And like, I don't know. It just seems like I'm cool with like referencing or hinting at things that are going to be coming later, but this really feels like. Um, they're mixing up the pe- they're they're like mixing up the puzzles right like if, if right. each story is its own puzzle they're like okay well, well we could just put this piece with this puzzle instead and then this piece can go on this one it's like Whoa. but like now I can't really see the full picture because I've got the full picture but there's pieces missing and in its place are pieces that don't belong here <laughs> you know what I, mean? you know, so like I kind of yeah, get that whole yeah. picture but at the same time, I'm. it's it's distracting having to look at these pieces that don't feel like they belong in the story.
2: Yeah, I, I get it, especially in what you say about how there wasn't one main storyline, um, like, especially if you look at the cover and you're like, oh, boy, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, are going to have an adventure. Like, no, not really. It's in about two yeah. pages at the end. Right,
3: <laughs> um, right, right. So
2: you're probably not getting what you're paying for there, but. I don't know. I just kind of like that ongoing soap opera that is uh, Peter David's runs on books. <laughs> I just appreciate hey. that uh, the the constant subplots running all the time. It
3: does yeah. feel more uh,
1: cinematic for sure. Like it sure. it feels like a like a TV show where they are cutting yeah. kind of cutting back from character to character. But um, usually when they're when they cut back and forth, it's because their stories somehow are connected not be not that it's like oh this is something that you don't need to know about till like next season or whatever it is like it Mm -hmm. to me it doesn't feel like it meshes as well as it could
0: i think the other thing too and i think i mentioned this recently how star trek the next generation used to do it poorly where they would have one episode that didn't have a strong enough story so they'd kind of have an a plot and a b plot Mm
3: -hmm. but if
0: those two plots did not tie together it it feels awkward because you're watching the show waiting for them to tie them together and then they just never do you know like in one episode data is having dreams that are unexplained but then you know troy is also getting visited by her mother and it's like what this doesn't tie together (laughs) there's a theme here so yeah that's kind (laughs) of what this feels like it doesn't tie together so it you just, wanted to be like just,
2: a Seinfeld episode where all the plots.
1: Oh, yeah. All. <laughs> yeah, like the marine biologist is just so yeah. great. that How it like, all ties in together at the end.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, by the way, I, I've got two friends who love Seinfeld, but do not like the fact that the sto- the plots all tie together. And really? I'm like, I'm like, why do you like <laughs> you, Seinfeld? Like Seinfeld <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, it
1: make any sense okay, um there is some so, uh, what's like that? there is some great stuff in this issue i I don't want to say I didn't like it altogether because I like some of the pieces of this puzzle like i I really love the this opening uh with like these goons pretending to be avengers right so they're they're like hidden, but like also like if they're ever like reported to the police it's like yeah captain america and spider-man came up and like mugged me right. in in the middle of an alley right it like, was it's... totally
2: the Hulk who had a <laughs> right. <laughs> right
3: but yeah, it's
1: still, like it's interesting right it's not just like yep. some hooligans it's like these guys kind of have something unique and fun about them uh the guy who's yeah, they're pretty fun captain... for
2: rapists
3: yeah <laughs> <I'm> sure, <okay. laughs> well,
1: uh the guy who's Captain America grabs a a a garbage can lid to protect yep. himself against me. so he's like swinging around what looks like a shield, and like there there's it's there's something interesting and fun is happening. And I like
2: that the Hulk guy was like Hulk stomp.
3: Oh, <laughs> get stomped right? Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: but then we cut over to like this weird thing with this dude. I can't even remember his name. Not Chance, For- the foreigner. For- right? It's just like I. I guess he's kind of cool. I don't don't know. He's only cool because you're telling me he's doing something cool. I don't think this box thing is that interesting. It's like,
0: Uh, I think it's so I don't mind. I think it's cool. it's a cool
1: quirk. It feels like chance, but worse. You mean
3: better? (laughs) Like
1: I I enjoyed what was going on (laughs) with chance way more where it, it felt like more like an addiction, like he's He's addicted to gambling and it's kind of like ruling his life. And that's why he does this like whole chance gimmick. Right. Like even in yeah, his yeah, he's, like, he's, he's doing like a guy addicted to
2: gambling, thing. whereas like the foreigners like Jigsaw, he just he's wants not. to mess with people. Yeah, he's just looking <laughs>
1: like a bad Bond villain. Like, yeah, kind of like weird traps and gimmicks to because he's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't know. There's there's some fun stuff that happens. But for me, it just doesn't like work as a whole, as a story, as a book.
0: Yeah, I will say that again, I read all three of these issues when I was a kid. And this is the one that stood out like Peter David's always stood out more to me. But um, I can agree that looking back, Web is probably more of a consistent story. But there's definitely moments in this that stick out more. Like I just think Peter David is a more creative writer and uh, and you know Violence
2: was memorable in this one yeah
0: his dialogue is always so good and um what was i going to say another thing about him is like you know the whole gag about the the hoodlums dressing up as avengers that that kind of thing may be commonplace now but i'm telling you in the, in the back in these days the only other writer i can think of that would be that kind of self-aware would be like steve gerber like there was no other writers that were i don't know if you want to call this like um like postmodern or meta commentary, but no other writer would even think to put in. It's not just funny. It's also, you know, again, just who'd even think of this? Just these bad guys dressing up (laughs) Halloween masks at Avengers. Mm -hmm. Like again, it's just, he just adds that little extra element of uh, creativity. I I think that most other writers at the time didn't have.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was kind of Joss Whedon before Joss Whedon with all the the meta
0: stuff and the commentary references and stuff like that. Yep. Like, I remember reading um, Peter David's Incredible Hulk and, um, you know, the Hulk saying something, something, okay, I'll be back. And then Rick Jones is like, oh, great, now he's the Terminator. And I remember, uh, you know, as a kid going, like, never in five years (laughs) had I read a pop, like, these guys (laughs) actually understand pop culture, you know, because comic book dialogue at this time was mostly so wooden and kind of stilted. And it, it seemed like out of touch and out of style. But Peter David was... (laughs) Again, like you said, he was ahead of his time. He was like Joss Sweden, but, you know, 10, 20 years earlier. So, you know, my
2: favorite one was I was rereading the early days of his X Factor run. uh, Oh, yeah. And, you know, Val Cooper was the was their uh, government liaison. And uh, she was talking about like, oh, the cases that the X Factor is going to look into and stuff like that. She's like, you should hear the stories I get from my brothers in the FBI. They've been looking into this case of this like dead girl wrapped in plastic. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my oh God. nice. Mm. Saying that Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks is
0: that's Val Cooper's awesome. brother. I'm like, oh, that's oh so I good. didn't even realize that. Val Cooper. <laughs> yeah. oh my God. I was so I <laughs> got that when I read it as a kid. That's hilarious. It was so good. Made yeah. me so happy. Uh, so, yeah, uh, let's talk quickly about the art. Um, this is a different inker than usual. This is Bob McLeod, who penciled one cometh the commuter and we've talked about bob mcleod before i think the inking on this issue is incredible i mean we talked about the gratuitous ass shots but it's clear that this is a great artist and a great anchor especially the shots that are clearly just the naked human figure you know colored like a you know either spider-man costume or black cock black cat costume but Mm. i think the art (laughs) on a technical level is good uh jake what do you think
2: I agree. Yeah, the art was really good, especially even some of the faces, like uh, Peter Parker when they're at the diner, like getting dinner. They got that really close-up shot of his face. I thought that was very well done. Um, yeah, I had never really seen much of this guy's art, but
0: I really liked it. Yeah, Josh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, there's some really uh, great stuff with the inking in this issue. Um, the like the lighting and the coloring too really kind of um, uh, uh, blends well with the inking. Uh, particularly with the kid who's got the like the pink glowing of that superpower that's going on and uh, the one page that's like all black Um, and then we we have like the panel in the middle that has like a gray to white gradient and we see that there's like a spotlight on him and how it's like broken up because he's standing in the middle of it and there's some really fantastic stuff in this issue
0: yeah it's another example of where this guy is obviously maybe not a great comic book artist or cartoonist, but he's a great artist, and he probably I think he went on to probably you know better things, you know, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, like higher paid gigs with maybe advertising and stuff like that. But he is clearly a great artist. Like this anatomy here is incredible. Like mm-hmm. you know you mentioned the close up of Peter Parker. There's also the one on digital page nine, the close up of the guy uh, uh, right after. He, he's looking at the two boxes like that close up shot of him like the the detail mm. on his face is just incredible mm-hmm. you know so yeah. yeah
1: you can take the dialogue 100% out and it the the, the art still tells a story
0: Yeah
3: yeah
0: of course not really? always though like that awkward well. scene later yeah when when Spider-Man confronts um you know the the, the father and the teacher that's a weird scene but <laughs> uh, yeah. but anyway you yeah. know, I think
1: with without dialogue at all, it makes it maybe better because we can imagine that Spider-Man comes in and stops something that's about to happen. <laughs> but <laughs> instead, leave. right? Like, well, the the whole story, like the the scene, kind of ends at that point, right? Like, I
2: yeah, yeah it's, pretty much. They kind of wrap it up after that. They're like, we can't talk shit in front of Spider-Man. Yeah. He doesn't go <laughs> into kind of door shenanigans. Yeah, but no, no. There's some fun stuff. I mean, like.
1: A couple pages later in the diner, um, he gets like a milkshake spilled on him and then like the 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 waitress looks concerned and then as she's walking away to like go get napkins or something, we see like a close up of Peter's face there and like it's just right, like right. you can tell I don't know, you, you, you can feel the story, you don't have to be told. We're like yes. oh beats. The milkshake was just spilled on me. Like it's <laughs> and, it, you know, it's it's you know, later on with the the clock spinning as he's. I was just
0: gonna say that scene is great comic book storytelling, right? Because that's like a cartoon comic strip almost. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, like the next page is basically just pinups of spider-man swinging, right? And then like Black Cat watching. So it, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, he's obviously a good artist, but again, like if he would have stayed in the industry, he probably would have developed his storytelling more, but he's clearly a very talented artist. For sure. But anyway, so yeah, I obviously recommend this issue. I've read it many times. I'll read it again. Jenk, uh, do you recommend this issue? Absolutely. Um, it's not
2: one of Peter David's strongest works, I would say, but it's, it's, it's damn solid. Um, I really like the ending. I think that's a really good setup for the next issue where you, you definitely want to i'll probably end up reading the next one just to find out what happens even though obviously you know black cat's probably not going to die <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> yeah um it's but yeah it you're right cool.
0: it's a good good ending
2: yeah it's a good little twist whereas he just wants to get rid of this thing and he's not really thinking about what it's going to do to her and what she might be doing at the time and he, he figures it'll be fine but nope not so fine so I like that. And uh, it did end with a with him talking about Doug Henning, which was interesting because that incredible Hulk issue that we did on Flea Market Fantasy, he also, Peter David also made a reference to Doug Henning in that book.
0: <laughs> Wait, who's who's Doug Henning? <laughs> uh, he's a magician. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> so we, we found Peter David's secret sauce, which references <laughs> to Doug Henning.
0: And Joshua Mervell, do you recommend this one?
1: So this is tough. I, I don't think I would recommend. This issue, but I uh, would show people parts of the issue, if that makes sense. Like, okay. I I wouldn't say this is a great story. You should read this comic. But I would would definitely be like, here, look at this. Look at this. Uh, uh, these moments with with the goons and, and the masks then and then like later on with the stuff with Doctor Strange, the stuff that feels like it's supposed to be part of the story. I think work really well and I would, you know, tell people about it or show them, but I I would not go out of my way to recommend this issue as a whole as a story okay. in it. So
2: I recommended it for nothing else but the quarter thing like the quarter thing actually did make mm-hmm. me laugh out loud. Just how much. Right. Back yeah. And flipping that coin again.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's again that that's a scene that stuck out in my you know, yep. from reading it as a kid It's a really cool scene. So, yeah, that wraps up this week's episode. We want to thank Kevin Jank for joining us all the way from Chicago. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Hopefully this is the first of a possible seven appearances, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I got to beat Mike Dell. We'll see you for the next seven weeks.
0: Oh, oh, and by the way, just so you know, Mike Dell has never been on SpiderCast, but he will be in a few weeks. you did Never. No, but you beat Mike (laughs) Dell to it, so. There you All go. Right.
2: I'll always have that feather, in my cap. You know, I'm, <laughs> I still have to. I still
1: have to guest star on Flea Market Fantasy. Oh yeah. yeah
0: once you guest star, you might not be saying that again, but you'll oh, see. Okay. But cool. uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, but no, that'd be fun for sure, for sure. Yeah.
2: Do you like a slower paced Look through the
0: comic. It's the show for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if what? if you weren't Flea Market Fantasy, we'd still be reviewing the plot of one comic. So <laughs> anyway. <enjoy. laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so we'll definitely have you on again. Uh, And like you said, you're you're probably going to read the next issue. I hope everyone reads uh, next week's issues because Web of Spider-Man at number 16 is rebooting. Uh, The cover says, don't miss the first issue in Web's daring new adventures into mystery and suspense. So join us next week for the the look at Web's new direction. Um, Amazing Spider-Man deals with the revelation that, uh, well, the false revelation that Flash Thompson is the Hobgoblin. And the return of Scourge, the guy who just kills random Marvel villains. And then spectacular Spider-Man features an early appearance by Sabretooth looking slightly different from the way that we're kind of used to seeing him. So be sure yeah, to join man. us. And uh, yeah, skinny Sabretooth, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so and, right. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah,
1: we want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcast. Or you can drop us a line on Twitter at at HCTSpiderCast. Please let us know what you guys think about the comics we're talking about and the podcast itself. We want to keep that comics conversation going. That's
0: right. So until next Monday, Spider Spider Friends, friends, go go for for it. it!